Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Unlike the forward mortgage business, reverse mortgages are seeing record volume this year. Today on Housing Wire Daily, my guest is Chris Clow, the editor at Reverse Mortgage Daily, to talk about what's happening in the reverse space and how home price appreciation plays a critical factor in the reverse boom. We're ready to jump right in. So, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate you having me back on. Oh, I love having you on and, you know, catching up on what's going on in the reverse space. We know that there is a lot of energy and enthusiasm about the possibilities of serving older consumers who are homeowners in this space. And I know that one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is you just went to the National Reverse Lending Mortgage Conference. Did I get that right? The, the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association. Okay. It's, it's a mouthful. NRMLA. Okay. Yeah, NRMLA. NRMLA. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us what, you know, what was the vibe of that conference and kind of what are some of the big themes that you saw? Yeah, you know, it was really interesting just because uh, it had been over two years since the reverse mortgage industry had gotten together. And at least based on my perceptions about things that are going on in other corners of the Housing Wire newsroom, that's kind of late in comparison to some of the other businesses that the organization covers. But um, the reverse mortgage industry has the benefit of having a very active and engaged membership in the trade association. And uh, that membership was really vocal about whether or not we should jump right back into having in-person events again. So they didn't make a decision, a final decision at least, until um, really late 2021 and pretty early 2022 about whether or not in-person conferences were going to happen. But they decided on a Western event, a Western regional meeting and an Eastern regional meeting. And then there's still a conversation that's taking place place about what the national uh, expo and meeting is going to look like at the end of the year. But this meeting was the Western Regional Meeting. It took place in Irvine, California. And it was, uh, the, the energy level was just very high. You know, I hadn't seen a lot of these people since uh, November of 2019, the last time we all got together in Nashville, Tennessee for the annual meeting and expo that year. Um, and then it was all virtual meetings and phone calls. And um, so really, even though we were kind of late in the game, getting back into the swing of things, everybody was very, very energized to be back among their peers and to talk about a lot of the issues that they're seeing and the the business realities that they're facing. Well, let's talk about uh, some of those business realities. But to your point first, um, you know, I'm at a conference right now, the National Settlement Services Summit, NS3. And this is the second one I've been at during the pandemic in, in person. So I did I did one last fall and then they were having another one. So I, I do think that uh, the reverse mortgage space has been more cautious, but it, it also makes sense. Right. The population that you guys deal with and, and, and the employees that are operating in because uh, there are like a fair amount of, I guess, up and coming reverse mortgage employees. But a lot of them are themselves within the senior demographic, too. But the membership was also was very understandably vocal about whether or not, uh, you know, different localities were participating in mandates related to the pandemic and and just protection. So to your point, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, very engaged membership and, and and honestly, good on the association for listening to the members. 
Agree. That that's really important. And I do think that, you know, it's a, it's a community in a way that other parts of the larger mortgage landscape don't really have that same community. I mean, because of it's smaller. So makes total sense. Well, let's talk about some of the business realities. You know, we know that this year is a year of falling volume for everyone. Um, but I would love to know kind of what that looks like specifically in the reverse space and what they talked about at the conference about that. Sure. it's So it's a little bit of a different story. And honestly, at the, the time we're recording this, it's also a little bit in flux because we are just now getting to the cusp of uh, of learning about what May's volume figures were. Uh, it usually comes out within the first couple of days of the next month, and we're just at the at the very very beginning of June here. So the story could change rather rapidly. But as of right now, uh, volume is at pretty historic highs for both March and April. Volume uh, rose above six thousand units in a, in in each month, and that's unheard of. I think I talked last time I was on this show is just like that we haven't seen volume levels like that for over a decade. So a fair amount of the conversation that was taking place at the conference was taking the temperature about why that's the case. And really it's not anything that's unfamiliar to people that have uh, taken a glance at the reverse mortgage space. It's home price appreciation and the the levels of equity that people have accumulated as a result of that. Seniors are sitting on, uh, on over $10.6 trillion of collective home equity now. And so much of that is because of the historic levels of home price appreciation that we've been seeing over the last couple of years. And reverse mortgages in general are not as sensitive to shifts in the rate environment. It really is more about home price appreciation. But another sort of developing trend that I've noticed is that, uh, you know, we've talked for a while now about how Heckam to Heckam refinances or reverse mortgages being refinanced into new reverse mortgages have really been leading the pack when it comes to industry activity. And there are signs that that is beginning to ebb. So uh, looking toward the future for what the business is going to look like, I was kind of surprised to learn at the conference that a lot of lenders are seeing renewed interest in private label reverse mortgages or proprietary reverse mortgages. Those uh, really kind of kicked into higher gear right before the pandemic when volume was comparatively depressed with what we're seeing now. Um, but you had a lot of lenders step up and create new private label reverse mortgage products to try and find a new path forward for the future. Then the pandemic happened and additional market volatility introduced the new potential utility for a reverse mortgage by having seniors tap into an asset that they already had access to, to create additional cash flow. But now that we might be coming out uh, of that boom period and the, the refinance volume might not be as much of a driver for the future, uh, lenders are looking at those private label products again. And um, with home values uh, being as high as they are I mean, in, in certain high value markets, you could very easily have homes that are surpassing the reverse mortgage lending limit of $970,800, which is crazy to say. The Heckam lending limit is a stone's throw away from a million bucks. But um, in those higher value markets, with a lot of those proprietary products, they have lending limits up to $4 million. And those might be uh, worth exploration for people who have homes that are valued that highly. 
So with those private products, so those aren't, you know, backed by, they're not an FHA associated product. And that's why that limit really, you know, they they can decide what they want to put that at. Yeah. Um, it, it. However, it is true that a lot of the private label products that do exist today have been modeled on on the HECM program. So there's a non-recourse feature, for instance. Uh, um, more, MIP, mortgage insurance premium, is a little bit lower for a private product, which is understandable because there's not a, a government fund that's backing it up. But um, really, it's those they before right when I started at RMD, proprietary reverse mortgages were just more often than not referred to offhand as jumbo loans. And that technically is still what they qualify for. But you're starting to see more people within the regular Heckam lending limit because it's grown so much over the past couple of years that are starting to look at those proprietary reverse mortgage options, even if they don't necessarily qualify as jumbo if they're in the range of a regular Heckam. But they're starting to look at things like the the upfront costs and the MIP as part of uh, the determination about whether or not to go with the FHA product or to go with a private label product. What I will say, however, is that that at last count, at least the reverse mortgage industry, it's like a state secret. They guard proprietary volume figures to the death. And I have honestly been trying to get a hold of them for a really long time, but they do not publicly disclose that information. And even in private conversations that I have with people, they're reticent to give me any indication about what those proprietary products are doing. The last time that I got a glimpse at anything resembling proprietary data was in the summer or late summer of 2020, and it was just under 10% of total industry activity. So the Heckam is still far and away the most dominant product in the space. However, at the conference, I began to get indications that proprietary volume is starting to inch higher than that prior threshold. I don't have anything concrete yet, and I am looking for it, but uh, that interest is certainly there, and it's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on for the next several months and maybe even longer. So um, you talked about how they've been modeled off of the FHA-backed loans. Are there are there big differences? Like one of the things we know that you know, the reverse space went through a lot of regulatory changes. So those private loans aren't any more risky from your perspective or predatory, let's say that, or or like harken back to some of the reverse mortgages of the past, uh, in your opinion, or or what are the parameters there? Uh, the parameters are pretty much the, the reformed HECM. So a lot of the products that exist today have been introduced well after a lot of the program reforms were instituted um, to the HECM program by FHA and HUD. So really the, the products that the, the entire product landscape that exists today, whether it's, it's FHA backed or not, is modeled on these sort of new regulatory realities that exist on the HECM side. Uh, because for the people that have gotten a home equity conversion mortgage, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of trust in it, and there's a lot of of goodwill for it among the borrowers that it serves. By and large, I mean there are some edge cases and examples where that isn't the case, but overall, customer satisfaction for those who have Heckam reverse mortgages is pretty high. So when lenders started to begin developing these new slates of proprietary products, really starting in around 2018, 2019, 
they modeled them after a lot of the same borrower protections in the Heckin program. And also, too, proprietary products are certainly not available in every state. It's only a handful of states, and it varies between the different lenders that offer them. But uh, really, the only like widely nationally available reverse mortgage product is the Heckam. So this only really applies to to a handful of states. I think the most states that a proprietary product is active in is like between 20 and 22, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's less than half the country. But um, really, they tried to th- those who were sort of serving as architects of these new modern proprietary reverse mortgages were doing so on the template established by the modern Heckam. And that's, you know, for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about in previous episodes of this show in trying to cultivate trust among borrowers again and to reform the image of the industry. So they took notice. And uh, and I don't think that there are really any active proprietary products that harken back to a Heckam of old, let's say. Well, and I think the reverse industry is so conscious of that reputation and and really um, building a new reputation since those changes went in that it's it's different than where you have you know tons of bad actors if you have a much bigger space. It's like this is pretty it's a pretty tight community and no one would be for that. I mean, it would it would because they all feel like they hang together. You know that they the the rising tide lifts all boats. Also, would put people in jeopardy if they felt like someone was damaging that reputation by having bad products. That's, that's my assessment from the outside. Would you, do you share that? Yeah. I mean, whenever conversations come up with uh, reverse mortgage professionals about the reputation of the industry, they very much like, even though I talk to members of like the association, for instance, like members of the board are all from different companies. So they're all technically competitors, but there's a very collegiate attitude among most people that are within the reverse mortgage industry. And that's just visible when you go to a conference, you know, I like, I don't know if there is as high a concentration of hugging taking place at any other conference <laughs> than there is in the reverse mortgage industry. Like everybody knows each other. Everybody has an idea of sort of what each other is up to. And if, if you aren't well known, then that's not going to last very long. So um, that, transitions over to the sort of shared responsibility that a lot of these people feel for maintaining or at least reinforcing a good reputation that they have cultivated in their own businesses. Uh, so I think that that is very much front of mind. I mean, it's been a persistent issue for a long time, but even among competitors, uh, there is a shared desire for that rising tide to lift all boats when it comes to people's perceptions of what this product can do and what it's capable of. I think there, you know, you, you talk about responsibility, I think of, um, accountability, right? So, I mean, that, that provides that too, in that smaller space and where everybody knows each other and kind of knows what they're doing. And that's funny that what you said about hugging, I, I have noticed that just in, as far as, um, you know, a lot of times when people are, um, are advertisers or they're talking about things, they, they're like, listen, we just, we're all in this together. We, we want to raise up the consumer's understanding of what's going on. So I, I think that's interesting. At the conference at all, did they talk about, you know, um, when they're going to start seeing some of the headwinds that other you know, I mean, we know that mortgage rates are rising, um, and we know that you know uh, at some point, I think, right, home prices have to cool. We can't c- 
continue to have this appreciation at this level of 20, 30%, you know, that we've seen over the last year forever. What are what are they talking about there? Or, or when do they think you're going to start seeing that in reverse? It's hard to say. The The actual event began with a, an economist who spoke just about the general economic conditions that are afflicting the country at the moment. And a lot of it was really focused on inflation. So really, when inflation hits a senior the hardest, it's because they live on a fixed income with maybe one primary uh, source of cash flow, largely social security, but sometimes it's something else. Uh, or there's there's an additional channel besides Social Security. So as long as inflation is really kind of taking hold and driving up the costs of living, then uh, there's always going to be some kind of a utility for a, a senior to be able to tap their home equity. That's what a lot of the conversation uh, was focused on in terms of the the conference itself. However, when it comes to home prices, that is the thing that can probably have the biggest effect on whether or not uh, there's an, a sort of an expanded roof for uh, for additional reverse mortgage loan production. I didn't hear a lot of concern from people, at least on mass, when it comes to a potential cooling or even a reduction in home prices. But I don't think that uh, the largest reverse mortgage markets are really all that concerned about home prices going down as much as they are. Maybe about home prices slowing, but even if they slow, they're still going up. And senior homeowners are probably going to be sitting on more home equity in a year than they did uh, at, at the prior point. So there's not really an abundance of concern. The biggest concerns that I heard discussed were more centered on whether or not they were going to find new business. So the refi boom that, uh, that the business has been sort of riding now for nearly the last couple of years that's front of mind because if that cools off, you know, refis drove nearly either at or over 50% of volume last year compared to which point in the year and which data figures you're looking at. So if the refi boom really does cool off, then lenders are going to have to try and find new sources of, uh, of, of additional business to engage new borrowers in the space as opposed to just going back to who they served before. So that seemed like more of a concern than some of these other issues that are afflicting the forward side. However, that's not to say that some of the issues that are afflicting the forward side can't come back to bite the reverse side at some point. If home prices go down, then you're going to see uh, potentially deleterious effects in the reverse mortgage market, and you'll probably see some to the mutual mortgage insurance fund You know that's most participating in the HECM program. When that happens, I think that would be a point of concern, but it's still a little bit unclear about how uh, how much that will play out by the time we reach the end of the year. I think those are all really good points. And it's it's just interesting to see the different dynamics for reverse versus forward. And we know that, as you and I have talked about on this podcast, lots of forward you know, originators are looking at reverse, or if they already have a reverse, some reverse business looking to increase that reverse business as the forward side has pulled back so much. Yeah. And um, really, some of the expansions that we've been seeing recently in the reverse mortgage space have kind of cemented that idea further. Uh, I've been talking with a lot of leaders at Open Mortgage, for instance. In fact, the latest episode of the RMD podcast had the two new appointed co-leaders of Open Mortgage's reverse division because Open said a while ago that we're doubling down on reverse. We're going to add 
more employees. We're going to add more resources. We're going to potentially add more branch space to reverse. And that's because, you know, they're seeing as a multi-channel lender that operates on both sides, they're seeing that there's potential in reverse that exists that is not currently present on the forward side. And I actually asked a couple of those leaders specifically about the idea of sort of crossing over uh, the loan officer core between forward and reverse, and they're open to it. But there is a lot of additional specialty that comes with learning about the reverse mortgage product because it's so much more consultative than the forward side. And really, you talk to 10 different reverse mortgage professionals, they're probably going to have at least five different perspectives on whether or not there should be forward loan officers that cross over into reverse. Some people feel it's really, really specialized and that it needs to remain as such. Others feel that, hey, in order to grow the, the footprint of the reverse mortgage industry, you have to have people doing both. You have to have people that offer both to their age-appropriate clients. So that is sort of an ongoing debate. And Really, you're starting to see these expansions at reverse mortgage lenders that are uh, beginning to show a degree of understanding and trying to proliferate the product a little bit more. It reminds me in in one way of like what we call the battle of the brokers, you know, uh, on the forward side, the, the mortgage brokers versus who are doing, you know, wholesale, you know, who are taking the wholesale clients versus those retail um, shops we're all familiar with getting, you know, jumping into the broker space or, or wanting to uh, give business to uh, brokers and how there's just some, you know, there's a lot of different opinions there. Uh, it seems like the uh, reverse space is friendlier than that. But <laughs> to your point, there are people uh, who have different opinions on all of this. Uh, well, what are you looking for uh, forward to next? What are some of the things you're planning on writing about in the next couple of weeks? Well, I've got a lot of conference content to get through. There were uh, a lot of interesting insights that were shared among uh, the speakers, including just new perspectives on connecting with senior borrowers uh, to explain how this could be a potentially helpful retirement tool for them or an investment tool in some cases. I spoke to a couple of different executives, uh, leaders at major reverse mortgage lenders that I'm looking forward to sharing uh, stories about or Q&As about with, uh, with, with those leaders. I think that those will be really eye-opening. Um, and just, you know, keeping a, a general eye on, uh, on, on the flow of reverse mortgage industry news that always seems to be coming out. There was a recent HUD Office of the Inspector General report that uh, describes some of the actions that HUD has taken in the in the reverse mortgage program over the past several months. Um, so I'm going to do a recap of that very, very soon. So it's really between the conference stuff, the regulatory side, and just the general news and the, the things that the lenders themselves are doing to proliferate reverse. I feel like I say it all the time, but as usual, there is no shortage of things to be looking at when it comes to RMD's coverage. There really isn't. And I encourage people to uh, check out your recent stories, which we just talked about. Um, and also uh, check back for some of those. I'm interested to see some of that coverage, especially, you know, on the regulatory side and what HUD's doing is going to be really interesting. So Chris, as always, great to have you on. Thank you for giving us an update on reverse and we'll keep watching Reverse Mortgage Daily. Sounds great. Thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate it. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, 
answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.